Well, good weekday evening. Today is Thursday, June 22nd. The time is 7 p.m. And you're tuned into the weekly edition of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir, for this brief period of time in comparison to eternity. When we come together for prayer, supplication, petition, intercession, and mutual edification regarding our concerns for our wayward, backslidden, and prodigal sons and daughters, each week we meet together and iron sharpens iron. And we have mutual encouragement, mutual strengthening mutual comfort and the ultimate goal of this podcast is to approach the throne of grace in prayer on behalf of those of us who are parents of either teenagers or adults our children or maybe we have custody or our guardians of wayward and backslidden sons and daughters some of which who have never ever accepted jesus christ as their lord and savior or perhaps they were in the faith at one point in time and for whatever reason have strayed away from the things of God, have turned their back on the Lord, have put the things of eternity on the back burner to pursue the temporal things of the world. This is a live podcast, a live program, and we invite your participation in this podcast, there's a point in time in our podcast when we will be approaching the throne of grace and bringing before the Lord prayer requests for what we've received, the requests we've received for sons and daughters, for their deliverance and salvation. We invite you to key in, call in your prayer requests. Maybe you have a request that you want brought before the Lord. You want us to touch and agree with you in prayer for your unsaved son or daughter. If you're on the Podbean app, there's a phone icon on your screen, and you can tap that, and you can be brought in live on the air. And we will take your prayer request. And when the time comes for prayer, we will bring it before the throne of grace. We invite you also to share your insights, your concerns, maybe a scripture you'd like to share, maybe a testimony you'd like to give regarding how the Lord is moving the life of your prodigal. Something you have to say, something that you want to share may edify and strengthen someone who needs comfort and encouragement and strengthening and so we invite you to be an active participant in this podcast if you have a prayer request and you want confidentiality maybe it's an unspoken request we will respect your privacy and confidentiality and we will bring it before the throne of grace and so let's start our podcast with a word of prayer please touch and agree with me Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, again, brief period of time 
in comparison to eternity when we can come together, Lord. And there are those of us who are parents and guardians of unsaved sons and daughters. And while we have salvation and we are looking forward to the blessed hope, Lord, we are concerned about our unsaved sons and daughters who may have wandered from the faith or have no concern for the things of God. Death can come at any time, and the rapture could take place before this prayer is even over. And so, Lord, I pray, we touch and agree, Lord God, that whatever is said in this podcast is a blessing, a source of strength to whoever is hearing it. Lord, I pray that if there is a prodigal that's listening right now, if there is someone who is the son and daughter of a Christian parent, and they're tuned into this podcast, that you would touch them through your Holy Spirit, convict them of their sin, let them see their need for a Savior. Let something that is said touch their heart, open up their heart and mind to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. And We pray, Lord, that those of us who are parents of unsaved sons and daughters receive mutual encouragement and strengthening that the the times when we grow weak the times when we begin to lose faith and lose heart we rebuke those occasions lord god when we worry for our prodigals and we are anxious about them you have not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and have a sound mind and we completely entrust our prodigals to you for their deliverance and salvation we know you'll hear our prayer and answer it in your own way and in your own time. We commit this entire podcast into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, this is a live podcast, and we thank you for tuning in. We, again, begin every week at 7 p.m. We may go longer than 8. We may go shorter than 8 as the Spirit of God leads. He is in charge of the length of time that we are on the air. And so we commit all things into his hands. At this time, I want to welcome listeners in a variety of locations, as we do every week. And we have two new states that have tuned in. We welcome listeners in New York, California, Colorado, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Idaho. Georgia, Alabama, Maryland, and Tennessee, Texas, and Ohio, Utah, Wisconsin, West Virginia, New Jersey, and Montana, Illinois, and Minnesota, Louisiana, and New Hampshire, the state of Oregon, the state of Washington, Rhode Island, Indiana, South Carolina, Arizona, Michigan, and most recently, we welcome listeners, new listeners, in the states of Ohio and New Mexico. We thank God that you have tuned in to the Parents of Prodigals podcast, and I pray that you are blessed by this program. Internationally, we welcome listeners in Mexico, Canada, and Australia, France and Uganda, Brazil, United Kingdom, and Bosnia-Herzegovina. We welcome you as well, and as always, some people may be listening to this podcast live and because of time differences or maybe responsibilities that, that do not allow it, others will be listening to this podcast through a download. And that's fine too. As I've always said, the Spirit of God can move through a recorded download. It doesn't have to be a live listenership for the Spirit of God to move. There are no constraints, no restraints on the Holy Spirit. 
He will bless as he sees fit whenever the occasion arises. We need to trust in him, and everything is in good hands, as long as we leave everything in God's hands. The title of tonight's devotional is Reasons People Turn from Christ. Reasons People Turn from Christ. And more particularly, I think I'm focusing on our prodigals and why is it that they're not coming to Christ? Now, you know, many young people today, many, whether they're teenagers or adults, are turning away from the things of God. They're turning to Eastern religions and maybe more humanistic philosophies and perhaps maybe the occult. And those are reasons why people have turned away. Maybe people have had a negative experience in the church. Maybe it's the testimony or the poor testimony of prosperity preachers preaching a false gospel. And they see these things and they have brought reproach to the name of Christ. And our prodigals are saying, why should I accept Christ? Look at this hypocrisy. And those are some of the reasons why many of our prodigal sons and daughters will not turn to Christ and have fallen away or refuse to even consider the gospel. But I want to turn our attention to four basic reasons why our prodigals and others turn from Christ. And our text is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 6. Matthew, chapter 11, verse 6. And I'll give you a moment to find that scripture text in your Bibles. You know, when Jesus was traveling throughout the regions during his ministry, he knew some would faithfully follow him. And some would outright reject him and his message. And still others would follow him for a while and then fall away. And Jesus also knew people's hearts and what the reasons would be for both rejecting him and for falling away. Well, in our scripture text scenario, John is in prison and he sends his disciples to ask Jesus a very important question. That's a question that many people even ask today. And that question is, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Now, it's very clear that John did believe, although it's possible that he and his disciples may have had doubts. In response, Jesus points to his miracle healings that have never, ever been done by anyone else before, as well as his unique message which was different from anything anyone had ever heard before as well. However, like many people of that day who had either met or heard of Jesus and were expecting the coming of the Messiah, it was expected that Jesus would bring God's judgment to unrepentant sinners right away, reward obedient followers, and free God's people from all oppressors, primarily the Romans. To many, Jesus didn't do what they expected him to do, and he didn't come the way they expected him to come. His behavior and message was one of mercy, sacrifice, humility, hope, forgiveness, and love. The bottom line is this. Jesus was well aware that certain unexpected elements of his ministry would cause many to reject him. And it's those certain characteristics that are a reason why many turn away, reject, or fall away from Christ. 
Now let's read our scripture text together. Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. I'm going to be reading, interestingly enough, from three different Bible translations. First, the New King James Version. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Next, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And now I'll be reading from a literal Greek translation, which is consistent with the contemporary English version of the Bible. It says, God blesses those who don't reject me because of what I do. So first, let's focus on two key parts of the text. First, Jesus said that those who don't fall away or reject his message are blessed. Now, there are several Greek words for the word blessed, but the word here in this particular text is the word makarios, makarios. And while it does mean to be happy, it doesn't denote this in the usual sense of positive circumstances. From the biblical sense, makarios describes the follower of Christ who is free from daily cares and worries because his every breath and life circumstances are in the hands of a loving God who give him assurance of his presence. Makarios is used to describe contentment that comes from God's divine presence and his favor in our lives. And the reason for being in this state of joy, peace, and contentment, and divine favor is not falling away, not taking offense at Christ's message, not taking offense at his example and his expectations of us as followers of him. That Greek phrase, take offense or falling away, is the Greek word skandalizo, skandalizo. It was the word used to describe a trap or a snare for a bird. In the scriptural sense, it conveys the idea of being shocked, offended, angered at what Christ's message was, what he expected us to be, and what he expected us to do as his disciples. Many people, especially our prodigals, may listen to the gospel message, but when they hear certain elements and characteristics of being a follower of Christ, they stumble. They get offended, and they won't accept Jesus as Lord of their lives. So what are these elements or things that can cause our prodigals and others to stumble from following Christ, falling away, and rejecting him? Well, the first is service rather than status. Service rather than status. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, and whosoever desires to be the greatest among you must be your servant. And he said this after the disciples were arguing amongst themselves who would be the greatest among them, who would hold the highest status, the most favored, and hold the highest position in God's kingdom. But Jesus calls for his followers to service and to serve others, not status. This is not a popular notion for many. And that Greek word for servant being diakonos, diakonos means literally one who hurries through dust to help, to be at another's disposal, to assist and serve, even at the person's own inconvenience. Jesus was a servant, and he wants servants, but sadly, 
Many who follow Christ don't want to be servants, and many who reject the gospel won't do it because it calls for service. There is no status in the world in being a Christian. Being a believer in Christ calls for service. The second characteristic is humility instead of haughtiness. Humility instead of haughtiness. That Greek word for humble is tapienos. Tapienos. It means to abase yourself, to bow down, to make low. Accepting Christ as Savior and Lord means to confess our sins, confess our wrongdoing, confess our inability to save ourselves, and admit our need for a Savior. It means full, absolute, and unconditional surrender. But bending the knee and bowing the soul and giving up our pride definitely has made many to fall away and refuse to surrender to Christ. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. And in the Gospel of Luke, we see an example of humility that many would be too proud to do. As as Mary pours expensive perfume and in repentant sorrow, washes Jesus' feet with her tears. Jesus calls for this kind of humility, not haughtiness. And that is a stumbling block to many who will not follow Christ because of that. The third characteristic is persecution rather than popularity. Persecution rather than popularity. Many stumble as followers of Christ because of fear of ridicule or unpopularity. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, that his followers would be hated by all nations because of his name. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Being a follower of Christ means your moral integrity will annoy the unsaved. It could mean losing friends, losing family members, being made fun of, being laughed at, maybe losing a job, losing your place in the community. It may mean even death. In some parts of the world, it does mean death. In the world's favor, in the world's standards, they'd rather have popularity than endure persecution. And that is a third reason why many will stumble Persecution rather than popularity is a stumbling block for many who will not surrender their lives to Christ because of this factor. The fourth factor is self-denial rather than self-indulgence. Self-denial rather than self-indulgence. This present society is all about me, I, and self. Self-gratification and self-fulfillment. In the gospel account of the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 23, Jesus exposes the self-indulgence of a man whose status, haughtiness, and popularity were more important than the things of eternity. What was most important in this life was his money and his status. He had no concern for the next life. 
He wasn't concerned about the things of eternity. He wanted to self-indulge in this life. Humbling oneself before God, being willing to take self off the throne, and fully surrendering one's life to Christ at the expense of putting one's personal aspirations ahead of God is not something anyone wants to do. Another reason why the unsaved reject the gospel message. You know, when Jesus answered John's disciples, mentioning his miracles, his acts of mercy and love, it threw many people off. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of our devotional, Jesus was expected to be prominent, to be conquering, to punish sin, to overthrow the Romans, to reward good, to punish evil. Instead, he touched lepers, taught to forgive one's enemies, become a servant, go the extra mile. He lived a life of love, mercy, forgiveness, and self-sacrifice. In Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30, Jesus talks about counting the cost to follow him. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says that if anyone desires to follow him, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. Notice the order. Desire is not enough. Desire in the heart has to be followed by denial of self. Service rather than status. Humility instead of haughtiness. Persecution instead of popularity. And self-denial rather than self-indulgence. Following Christ means full surrender and following his example in every way just mentioned. Let's you and I pray that our prodigals see all this in our lives, and that most of all, the Spirit of God touch the hearts of our prodigals, so that they won't take offense at the gospel, the message of Christ, or reject the call of conviction. Join me in a word of prayer, please. Father, I thank you for this brief devotional that was shared, Lord God. And Lord, many of our unsaved sons and daughters have fallen away from the walk in Christ. They maybe have backslidden, become disillusioned, maybe have become bitter over something that they've heard or seen or experienced. Others, Lord God, want to self-indulge. They won't accept Christ because they'd rather self-indulge than think about the things of eternity. They'd rather be popular. Accepting Christ means perhaps losing friends and being persecuted or being made fun of. And this may be the case when one accepts Christ. Jesus said it himself, Lord God, that a person's enemies might even be those in his own household, and that is not a popular thing. And so many of our prodigals won't come to Christ because of that. Lord, we pray also, Lord God, that the Christian life is a life of service. And many young people and many prodigals don't want to serve. They want status. They want position. They also refuse to humble themselves, bending the knee and bowing the soul, confessing their need for a Savior, confessing their helplessness is not something that comes easy to a proud heart. Lord, it's our prayer 
that you, Lord God, touch the hearts of our prodigals. Let them see that service to you, Lord God, is most important, Father, not status in this world. Let them see that humility, humbling themselves before you, Lord God, is more important than pride or haughtiness, Lord God. Let our prodigal see, Heavenly Father, that the self-indulge in this life is a waste, Lord God. The things of this world will pass away. It's the things of eternity that will last forever. Putting you first, denying self, leaving this world behind, Lord God, is the most important thing of all, Heavenly Father. And Lord, let our prodigals realize, my God, that they need to fully surrender their lives to you, Heavenly Father. Following surrender, fully committed. Open up their eyes and their ears, Heavenly Father. Let these truths be evident in our lives as Christian parents and bring it to pass in the lives of our prodigals. We ask these things in Jesus' name, Lord God. Amen. Well, I pray that this devotional was a blessing to you, and it really blessed me when I was writing this devotional down. These discoveries that I make usually convict me, and they speak to my heart, and they tell me in what areas the Holy Spirit does convict me many times. Is this real in my life? Am I living a life of complete self-denial? Or there are areas in my life where I'm self-indulging? Am I living a life of service? Or there are times when I'm haughty? Do I go out of my way to help people? Or do I do it only when it's convenient for me? Am I living a life of humility? Considering others better than myself and putting the interests of others first? Am I trying to avoid persecution? Maybe sometimes not witnessing to people out of fear that they'll ridicule me or make fun of my walk with the Lord. Would I rather play it safe and not face ridicule and avoid persecution? I ask these questions of myself many times. The word of God says to examine yourself, to make sure that you're in the faith. And many times when I do these devotionals, I begin by asking myself, how does this apply to my life? Am I living what I'm saying in my devotional? And many times I have to check myself and I tell myself this devotional, more than it applies to anybody else I'm speaking to, applies to me. And so I thank God for the Spirit of God that not just gives assurance, but also convicts. The Word of God is like a double-edged sword. It cuts deep into the heart, into the soul, into the marrows, all the way through, revealing the secrets of the heart, convicting the soul of shortcomings, and telling us where we need to make things right with the Lord. And that's what many times these devotionals mean to me. I thank God 
for these insights that the Holy Spirit provides. And most importantly, I need to continuously examine myself to make sure I remain in the faith. I also mentioned many times that many times as parents, as prodigals, we are fearful, we're anxious, we're worried about whether or not our prodigals are ever going to accept Christ. I myself at times have to ask the Lord for peace and to touch my heart to give me the reassurance that it's going to happen. There are moments of weakness that I have. My son recently accepted Christ about two months ago, and I still pray and fast for my daughter's deliverance and salvation. And many times for many of us, sometimes our prodigals get worse. It's almost as if the enemy gets angry that we are praying for them, and he makes our prodigals act up, makes them more resistant, more hostile to what we're preaching, what we're saying. Maybe you're playing Christian music in your home and the enemy makes your prodigal act out. Maybe the sight of you reading your Bible prompts a reaction, a hostile reaction from your prodigal. I know it's happened to me several times. And so we need to stay prayed up, fasting and praying for the deliverance of our prodigal sons and daughters. There are demonic forces at work in their lives. The Word of God says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will also do the best he can to snatch any word that's planted in their hearts, like the birds of the air. The enemy does not want any gospel message through a track or through a Christian song to bear fruit in their lives. He will snatch the message out of their hearts as soon as he can. Maybe telling them there's plenty of time to accept Christ. Maybe telling them that the cost is too high to become a Christian. Go to church and read your Bible. That's enough. But don't overdo it by surrendering your life to Christ. All these are lies of the enemy. We need to rebuke them and cast them down. These are strongholds in the minds and souls and hearts of our prodigals. And our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so we pray for our unsaved sons and daughters. They, they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The next event on the prophetic biblical calendar is the rapture of the church when Jesus will return to earth and take those of us who have either died in the faith or are still alive, both of us, all of us, deceased believers and those who are alive will be taken up to the clouds in the air, being removed from this world for a period of time when God will pour out his judgment. It will be a seven-year period of time when God will pour out his wrath on a rebellious and unrepentant world, and we don't want our prodigals here for that. It's our prayer that our prodigals surrender their lives to Christ before an untimely demise brings their souls to the lake of fire or the rapture takes place and they get left behind. We pray against both these things. We want our unsaved sons and daughters saved, sanctified, delivered, and filled with the Spirit of God. That's our prayer. That's the purpose of this podcast. Well, we've reached the halfway mark. 
of our podcast. And at this time, we always play some edifying music. We'll play two numbers, and then we will return with the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. And there will be a time of prayer, supplication, petition, and intercession for the numerous requests that we have to bring before the Lord. So we will return with the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast following this musical interlude. Enjoy and be blessed. Yeah. 
Well, we praise God for those two musical numbers, and I pray that they were a blessing to you and that your soul was blessed by the lyrics. The music is fine, but the lyrics are important more than anything else. You know, I was reading an article regarding some engineers in Japan who are constructing a place called Dogen City. Dogen City. And it supposedly is a contemporary version of Noah's Ark. It is a self-contained city that's meant to withstand any apocalyptic event, like an earthquake or a meteorite striking the earth or a worldwide flood. And the idea is for this so-called refuge to hold approximately 40 to 50,000 select individuals who will pay a certain fee to escape any apocalyptic event that will take place in the world. You know, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 19 says that they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth. People will try to hide from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. The New Living Translation phrases it this way, when the Lord rises to shake the earth, his enemies will crawl into holes in the ground. They will hide in caves and in the rocks from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. The delusional belief that you can escape the wrath of God, that you can escape eternity. It's a foolish thing to delude yourself, to believe that you can escape judgment. Many times our prodigals are deluded as well, believing that they will escape. There may be that there is no judgment, they believe, or they're good enough. They've lived decent moral lives, or maybe perhaps that they'll plead their case before God and talk about what good deeds they did. But there is no escape from the final judgment. Your name is either written in the book of life or it's not. We need to pray that our prodigal sons and daughters come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier that many times as we live Christ before our prodigals, it may spark a demonic reaction, a demonic response when they see us reading our Bibles or listening to Christian music. One of my dear brothers, Brother Nelson, chimed us in. His insight was, how could our child's rebellion or apathy towards the Lord work for good? How can anything good come out of this? Let us be reminded that God is up to something good, even when it doesn't seem as if it is going to work out, as if it doesn't seem so. Praise the living God. It's not up to us to understand what the Lord is doing. We need to completely entrust our prodigals into his hands. You know, there are those of us who don't even know where our sons and daughters are. Some of our prodigal sons and daughters may be incarcerated and we worry about them. 
in these ungodly and unsafe environments. We need to just completely hand over our prodigals to the safekeeping of our Lord Jesus Christ, entrusting him with their very souls. And we need to ask the Lord to give us peace and help our weakness when there are times when we become anxious, to calm our souls. The word of God says that we're to pray about everything. And when we commit everything to the Lord, the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Brother Nelson, for that insight. At this time, we're going to go before the Lord. We have several requests which came in. Now, some of these are requests that we go over every week, and we need to continue to pray for these requests. We need to be persistent in prayer. We have several new requests which came in as well. So let's go before the throne of grace right now. Please join me. Our first request, as we pray every week for two young men, both with the name of Joshua, and both these young men were facing the stronghold of substance abuse. One of these young men named Joshua did accept Christ as his Lord and Savior, but we all know the enemy never allows this kind of thing to go unchecked. There is always a counterattack. The other Joshua, I believe, is still struggling with this issue, and we pray for his deliverance and salvation. So join me as we pray for both these young men. Father, we just lift up before you these two young men, Joshua. Lord, this first Joshua, Lord God, we praise you and we thank you for his salvation, for his deliverance and salvation, Lord God, for convicting him of his sin and bringing him to the foot of the cross, bringing him to the point where he realized his need for a savior. He was sick and tired of having self on the throne and he committed his life to you. Now, Lord God, continue the work. Make him a mighty man of God, full of strength, commitment, dedication, perseverance, fortitude, Lord God. Give him a hunger, a thirst to read your word. Make him a prayer warrior. Make him a worshiper, Lord God. Help him to stand firm against any temptation that comes his way. In the event the enemy, for sure, will come and try to lure him back. Be committed him into your hands, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, we also pray for this other young man named Joshua who is still struggling, perhaps, with chemical and substance abuse, Lord God. We rebuke, Lord God, the lies of the enemy that will tell him in his mind that he needs drugs to learn how to cope with life. He needs drugs to medicate his emotions. Lord, heal the troubled mind from this dependency. Heal the body which craves these drugs physically, Lord God. You can do both, Heavenly Father. You cured leprosy, which there was no cure for back in the days when you walked the earth, Lord Jesus. Now, Lord God, we commit Joshua's mind, his troubled mind, and his afflicted body from narcotics into your hands. Deliver Joshua from substance abuse and bring him to the foot of the cross. Break his spirit. Humble him, Lord God. Give him a Damascus Road experience if necessary 
so that he receive you and surrender his life to you. We thank you, Lord God. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it's happening even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Every week we pray for three young ladies, and all three young ladies are the daughters of Christian parents. A young lady by the name of Gabby. Another young lady by the name of Angela and one by the name of Valentina. All three young ladies struggling with different issues. Some of those issues may be substance abuse, maybe depression, low self-esteem, perhaps maybe guilt. Maybe these three young ladies are hostile to the gospel and don't want to hear it. We're going to pray for these three young ladies right now. Touch and agree with me. The Lord knows all the details. Lord, you see these three young ladies, Gabby, Angela, and Valentina. You know where these three young ladies are even right now, what they're doing, who they're hanging out with, where they are, what they're thinking in their minds, what they're thinking and feeling in their hearts, Lord. Lord, you see if there's any hostility to the gospel, any apathy, Lord, you see if they're in bondage to a vice, to a way of life, maybe through a bitter mind, whatever it may be, Lord God, first and foremost, deliver these three young ladies from whatever they're in bondage to. That's keeping them from surrendering their life to you, Lord God. Whatever stronghold they're bonded to, bring down this stronghold, Lord God. Break their spirits as well. Speak to their hearts, convict their souls, open up their minds to the gospel, Lord God. Soften the hardened heart, open the closed mind. Break the proud spirit. Father, if it's an addiction issue, maybe it's peer pressure, whatever it is, Lord God, remove the obstacle, bring down the stronghold, and make the path clear in every way, shape, or form for them to turn to you, Lord God. We rebuke the power of the enemy and the forces of darkness that are at work in their lives right now. There's a heavenly and spiritual battle taking place between angelic and demonic forces, and we just rebuke the enemy, rebuke these demonic forces, and claim victory for these three young ladies. We pray for all three of them, deliverance and salvation. Make all three the women of God that you can make them, that you want to make them, that you are going to make them. We commit their salvation, deliverance, and filling with your Holy Spirit into your hands. We don't know when it's going to happen, Lord. It's in your timing, in your way. And give the parents of these three young ladies strength to keep the faith, perseverance to stay praying, encouragement so that they don't become down. In Jesus' name, Lord God, we thank you, Lord. We call it into being. Amen. Every week we pray for a young lady by the name of China and her friend Alexa. And China is the daughter of my dear brother Jamie, who is a co-founder of this podcast with me. And China recently, well, not recently, actually several months ago, surrendered her life to Jesus Christ and made Christ Lord of her life, and so did her friend Alexa. But the enemy, again, as I've said before, is hard at work. He never allows this kind of thing to go without a counterattack. 
He's not going to leave it alone. And so we're going to pray for China and Alexa's perseverance in the faith. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for China and Alexa that you opened up their eyes to the truth. Both their names are written in the book of life. and Their eternity is in your hands, Lord God. When the rapture takes place, they will be raptured. But Lord, the enemy would love to lure them back into the world, into old ways of thinking, old, old ways of living, into old ways of patterns of behavior. And so we rebuke the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke his works, his efforts. We ask, Lord, that you strengthen China and Alexa. If they become depressed or weary or discouraged, Lord, give them revival in their souls. Renew their spirit. Give them a double portion of your Holy Ghost, Lord God. As they used to say back in the day, a double portion of the Holy Ghost, Lord God, for China and Alexa, for spiritual strength and perseverance in the faith. Make them both women of God, strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We thank you for godly parents who prayed for them. We commit them both into your hands, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord Father. We had a request that came in last week, and we're going to bring it before the Lord. We're going to pray for it again. And somebody calls this in and says, pray for my brothers, Albert, Edwin, and pray for my children, Ashley and Joshua, and for the husband, Nelson. Now, we don't know what the details are. And again, we always say we respect the privacy and confidentiality of those who want unspoken requests. And so we're going to pray. For these brothers, Albert and Edwin, we're going to pray for the children, Ashley and Joshua, and for the husband, Nelson. God knows the details. We're just going to lift them up before the throne of grace. Father, you see this request, Father. It's right before me. And you see what the needs are for Albert and Edwin and the children, Ashley and Joshua, and for the husband, Nelson. Lord, you know what the need is. It may be salvation it may be a need for deliverance from something that they're in bondage to it may be a need for strength where there is weakness it may be a need for encouragement where there is discouragement it may be a need for just a strengthening of your holy spirit to persevere in the faith it may be a need for deliverance like i've said lord god whatever the need is heavenly father it may be a need for salvation maybe they're not saved maybe some of them are saved Whatever the need is, Lord God, meet the need. Answer the prayer, Lord God. You see the burden of the family member that called this in. You know all the details. You know what the situation is in each individual's life. Lord, you know the details. Your word says that not even a sparrow falls to the ground, and you don't know about it. You're aware of all the details in our lives, Lord God. Like Jeremiah, you saw us before we were even formed. And you see this entire family, Lord God. You saw them before they were ever formed. And you know every minute detail in their lives. And so bless this entire family, Lord God. And answer the prayer of this family member who's burdened for them. Pour out your spirit in the way it needs to be poured out in this request, Lord God. In Jesus' name, Lord.
We thank you, Lord God. We thank you because it's going to come to pass. It's happening even now as I'm speaking. You're moving. We praise you for that. By faith, we thank you. Amen. We're going to lift up in prayer a young man by the name of, well, I don't know if he's that young. His name is Johnny, and Johnny is the adult son of a dear sister in Christ who is tuned into our podcast right now. And Johnny is struggling with the stronghold of alcohol. But you know, God is faithful. He answers prayer. God is all-powerful. He's capable of delivering. God is all-knowing. He knows exactly where Johnny is right now and who he's hanging out with. We're just going to lift Johnny up in prayer. Touch and agree with me, sister. You're listening right now. And those of you who are tuned in, touch and agree with me, with mom, as we pray for Johnny. Lord, we thank you so much for a praying mother, Lord God, a mother who's persevering in the faith and continuing not to lose hope, but trusting in you for her son's salvation. And so it's that salvation we lift up in prayer right now, Heavenly Father. Johnny, you see where he is right now, his struggle with alcohol, Lord God, a chemical, a demonic force that's holding him in bondage, both mentally and physically. The mind believes that it needs alcohol and the body craves it. We pray for healing for the mind and the body right now. Stretch out your hand, Lord Jesus, and heal Johnny's mind so that he realizes he doesn't need alcohol. Heal his body. It's damaged from drinking, Lord God. Begin the healing process. Lord, maybe it's someone he'll meet, who will witness to him. Maybe he'll find a gospel track on the floor. It'll be handed to him. Maybe he'll hear a Christian song. Maybe he'll stumble upon a Christian program on television. Maybe it'll be somebody who he knows who's a Christian who'll witness to him. Maybe he'll speak to him while he's sleeping in a vision or a dream. Maybe it'll be the Holy Spirit just weighing on his heart and convicting him so that he feels sick and tired of being sick and tired. Whatever the method is, Lord God, we commit Johnny into your hands. Do what needs to be done to deliver Johnny and to save his soul. Let Johnny's name be written in the book of life. We commit him into your hands, Lord God. We pray for Johnny's salvation. It's as simple as that. We are praying for Johnny's salvation, that he turn to you, Lord God. You know what it takes to bring someone to that point. Let this be the case with Johnny. Deliver him and save him. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for moving. We thank you for answering prayer. In our Lord's name we pray. Amen. We received a request last week also, actually the week before, and due to an oversight on my part, it was regarding new marriages, and I neglected to pray for it, but we did bring it before the throne of grace last week, and we're going to bring it before the throne of grace again. Uh, it doesn't say who called this request in, but it is a anonymous request. Pray for new marriages. So let's just pray for new marriages. Lord God, 
you bless the institution of marriage, Father. And Lord, I'm not sure what this request is about, Lord God, but to those who are believers who have surrendered their life to you, Lord God, and have made a covenant to be husband and wife, and they're Christians, we pray that you bless these marriages and that you be first and foremost in the Christian home. Help the Christian husband step up to the role as priest, loving his wife as Christ loved the church and honoring her. We pray that you help the wife to submit to her husband in all godliness, Heavenly Father, and that they both honor each other, love each other, and are committed and faithful to each other. We pray for new Christian marriages, Lord God, that you are in the midst and prominent in the household. We rebuke any force of the enemy that will try to disrupt and destroy what God has brought together. We pray for those marriages, Lord God, where they're new, but maybe one person is a believer and the other one is not. Maybe they're unequally yoked. Maybe one person came to Christ after they got married. Lord, help that Christian partner be a testimony to their unsaved partner, Lord. Living Christ before them, Lord God. It may be a marriage where both parties are not saved and it's a newlywed couple. Lord, marriage is a covenant, Lord God, and you need to be the foundation. So we pray for new marriages, maybe perhaps where couples are not saved. Bring new marriage couples to the foot of the cross. Husbands and wives coming to the foot of the cross together. Both of them accepting Christ as Lord and Savior both husband and wife committing their lives to you. That's what we're asking for, Lord God. You know the details of the person who made this request. Honor it, Lord God. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. A prayer request came in, which I'm going to read. And it's important that we listen to the details of this request. And we're going to bring it before the throne of grace. A parent calls this in. Please pray for my son, Caleb. This young man is in the Navy, and he's discouraged and disappointed with his life. Caleb says that nothing is ever working out for him in his life. Caleb has a wife, and they have an eight-month-old little girl. Caleb and his wife are separated for six months into their marriage. And now Caleb says that he doesn't believe that God is real, but a fable. And the parent concludes their request by saying that their heart is heavy. When I read this request, my heart became heavy. But not too heavy that the Lord's strength can't lift it up. We're going to touch and agree for Caleb, his family, and for this parent right now. The victory comes through our faith in Christ. Let's touch and agree right now for Caleb, his family, and his parent, his marriage his frame of mind, touch and agree with me. Heavenly Father, you see this request right now, Lord God, a very, very troublesome situation, Father, but we bring it before you. You see Caleb as he serves our nation in the United States Navy. Protect him, Lord God, in his commitment to the service of our country, Lord God. But now, Father, you see that Caleb is discouraged and disappointed, believing that nothing is ever working out for him. And doubting your goodness. 
doubting maybe perhaps your even existence, doubting your care, whatever it is, Lord God, we just lift Caleb up in prayer, Heavenly Father. We rebuke, we rebuke, we rebuke the works of the enemy that are attacking Caleb, attacking his family, discouraging him. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that is what the enemy is trying to do in Caleb's life, Caleb's mind, Caleb's marriage, Caleb's home. We rebuke the works of the enemy, and we claim victory in every area in Caleb's life. Heavenly Father, restore Caleb's faith in you. Restore Caleb back into the fold, Lord God. Move in his life in a mighty way. Restore his marriage, Heavenly Father. He says he doesn't believe that you're real, but that you're a fable because of what he's going through, that nothing is working out for him. Lord, your word says that you have plans for us, plans for a hope and a future, and you have a plan for Caleb and his family. Open up his eyes to this truth, Lord God. You have a mission for Caleb. You have a mission for his family. Make him the man of God that you can make him, Lord God. Turn Caleb's life around. Turn his mind around. Turn his heart around. Deliver him, Lord God. Give him deliverance right now in the name of Jesus from depression, from discouragement, from low self-esteem, from a lack of purpose, Lord God. When we accept you as our Lord and Savior, you are our purpose, Lord Jesus. Open Caleb's eyes, Lord God, that you are the beginning of the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. You give life meaning, Lord God. You are the meaning of life. You are life. and You are the way and the truth. Let this be real in Caleb's life. Restore his marriage. Restore the love. Restore Caleb's soul. Restore his faith. Restore his trust. Restore his strength. Restore his perseverance. Restore his commitment. Restore his low self-esteem, Lord God. Restore his perseverance. Replace discouragement with encouragement. Turn him into a Joshua, Lord God, a mighty man of God. Let your word never depart from his mouth. But let it always be on his lips. Help Caleb to meditate on your word day and night. And as he puts you first in his life, he'll be prosperous and he'll have good success. Walking with you like Enoch and Joshua, like Elisha and Elijah. Give Caleb a close walk with you, Lord God. Just a closer walk with thee, Lord God. That's what we want for Caleb and his family. Deliver him, bless him, restore him, keep him, protect him, be with him, encourage him. We commit him into your hands, and we pray right now for the parent that called in this request, Lord God. Her heart is heavy. Well, Lord God, we rebuke the heaviness of heart right now. Restore trust, perseverance. Lift up this parent, Lord God. Give him, give her revival, revival in her soul. Renewed trust and renewed strength. Lord God, those who trust in you, Lord God, will mount up as eagles. 
They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let this be true in the life of this parent, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you because we know you're going to answer this prayer. You're moving even now as I'm speaking and praying, Lord God. We commit Caleb, his eight-month-old child, his wife, Lord God. I touch and agree with my sister Thelma. Remove that darkness from his presence. Keep him and his family covered. Give him a sign that you are real. I touch and agree with my sister right now for Caleb and his family. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you so much. The answer to this prayer is coming even now. The testimony will come in. We commit it into your hands. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you. Amen. Well, we've reached a conclusion of our podcast, but I want to share an insight with you, something which I had read the other day. You know, many of us have been crying out to God about our prodigal sons and daughters and whatever situation that they're in, and the deliverance and salvation of our prodigal and unsaved and backslidden sons and daughters, asking the Lord to deliver them and save them is something that we long for the Lord to fulfill. You know, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 30, verse 19, it says, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version of the Bible, you will weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry when he hears it, and he will answer you. And so I want to leave you with that. Take this to heart. God will never, ever fail you. So dry your tears tonight and embrace the peace that God longs to give to you and know that he is absolutely faithful to do what he promised. Salvation and deliverance for your unsaved and prodigal son and daughter is right around the corner. It's already happening even now. And so until next Thursday, June 29th, when we will be back on the air, I reach out to all of you from all municipalities, New York and California, prodigal parents in Pennsylvania and North Carolina, watch the road. Parents in New Mexico and Ohio, prodigal sons and daughters. Parents of unsaved prodigal sons and daughters in Tennessee, Ohio and Utah, Wisconsin, watch the road. If you're the parent of a prodigal son and daughter in Rhode Island and in Indiana, in Louisiana and Illinois, Montana, I encourage you to watch the road. If you're the prodigal of an unsaved, if you're the parent of a prodigal unsaved son or daughter in Mexico, United Kingdom, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, in Brazil, in Australia and Canada, parents in every state in the Union, you have an unsaved son and daughter, parents in overseas nations, if you're the parent of an unsaved son and daughter. Continue in prayer, being watchful therein. And watch the road. Watch the road. 
your prodigal, my prodigal, will be honored. God bless you. And until next Thursday, June 29th at 7 p.m., be blessed and take care.